The scripture reading tonight is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They want God on their side. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. We live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Thanks be to God. On these special services, I always like preaching a little lower. Hope that's okay. A little closer. It's good to be close. Um, so this Lent, we are seeking... Um, asking honest questions for a deeper faith. So our, our hope throughout this season is to ask really good, good questions. Um, so the, the first one I, I wonder is just what, what has Lent meant to you over the course of your life? I, I wonder if you're a, a give something up for Lent person, right? Whether that's, uh, I don't know, chocolate or some form of, of fasting. My, my mother 
uh, loved to announce every year um, as, you know, a good pastor spouse to the congregation that she was giving up swearing for Lent. <laughs> and I assure you that it never stuck. So maybe you're a give something up person. Maybe you're a take something up person, right? That I'm, I'm intentionally going to do something that I otherwise wouldn't. Maybe serve at Habitat for Humanity or I don't know, read your Bible more, whatever. Maybe you're a take something up person. Um, do you fast? Is fasting something that's been part of your life? Um, for me, I, I hold Lent and, and disciplines of Lent loosely. Um, I, I usually do some, some kind of a fast, and that's all fine. I can't say that it's been particularly meaningful. It's, I would never say that it's been life-changing, that what takes place over these 40 days has somehow transformed me. That, that's not quite right. But it's been meaningful. It's, it's a meaningful part of my life. It's something that I look forward to every year. Because I think there's, there's value in discipline, right? There's value in committing ourselves to practices of faith. But I do worry that these practices, that they can send the wrong message to our hearts about our faith, that we, in one way or another, begin to think that the things that we do are what make us holy. That somehow uh, the things that we do or don't do, the things that we let go of or the things that we take up, that this somehow makes us more or less holy in God's sight. And this is both false and it is dangerous. Here's the truth that we too easily forget. It's that you're already holy. You're holy right now. And, and there's really nothing you can do to, to change that. You're holy because God says that you're holy. You're holy because you belong to God. And when you belong to God, God says you're mine. And when you're mine, you're holy. You're set apart. You're loved with an everlasting love. You're forgiven and free to live the life that God has given to you. And no amount of, of fasting or, or reading of the scriptures or giving of your money or your time changes that. In God's sight, you're already good enough, already holy and righteous through and through, which means that your actions have no bearing on how God sees you or feels about you. You remain holy and beloved whether you live a life full of virtue or vice. That's the good news. And I think if we're honest, sometimes it makes us a little mad. Because we like to think that we live in a meritocracy. We don't really, but we like to think that we do. It's a nice fiction that we tell ourselves that we live in a meritocracy and we want to earn our way. We want God to somehow give us brownie points for the good things that we do. God, can I at least get a star next to my name on the class chart for the things I do over the next 40 days? And God says, no, you've already got all the stars, and so does everybody else. You've got A's whether you do your homework or whether you skip class altogether. And this is where grace becomes a little offensive, isn't it? 
Like, I like grace when it applies to me, but when it applies to somebody else, suddenly it seems incredibly unjust and unfair. It offends those of us who think that the things that we do must be really important to God. That God must be, you know, really impressed with the things that, that you and I do. But the truth is, if we're able to embrace this radical, offensive grace, it also frees us. It offends us, and it frees us. If grace is true through and through, you might wonder to yourself, why should I do anything for God then? (laughs) Why give anything up? Why come to church? Why give my money? Why not just do whatever feels good to me in any given moment all of the time? Let me let you in on a little secret. You can. You're free to. You're free to do exactly what you want to do. Isn't that the story of the prodigal? The product, God, God loves us with such a radically free love and grace that he allows us to go and leave God's presence and, and go into the far country and spend all God's wealth on lavish living. And when we do this, it changes nothing about how God feels about us. We're still welcomed back anytime we choose. What living in the far country does is it teaches us that sin isn't about breaking some set of abstract rules and doing the right thing isn't about getting a star next to our name. All sin is is unsustainable living. Sin is just, it's, it's a pattern and a way of life that however good it might feel in the short term, in the long run, you end up eating pig slop. That's all it is. And so God wants us to avoid sin and to live virtuously, not to earn brownie points, but so that we might flourish, so that our lives might be joyful and happy and sustainable for ourselves and for the community. So why would we do good when God loves us already? If not to earn brownie points, why? Well, in the world of grace, doing good is its own reward, and sin is its own punishment. And this means that your Lenten disciplines are purely a matter of freedom and invitation, not compulsion or obligation. And so as a beloved child of God, you are free to do anything or nothing for Lent. So that leaves us with the question, what do you want to do? If we're truly free, what do you want to do with this time, this limited time that we have? That's what Ash Wednesday is really all about. We often think it's about you know, beating ourselves in the back for our sin. It's really about recognizing our time here is limited. We don't know when it's going to end. You are dust, to dust you shall return. That's not a curse. It's an invitation to wake up, to recognize that your time is limited. How do you want to use it? What kind of fast will you choose? That was Isaiah's question. And it's a, worth, it's a question worth pondering. 
Isaiah speaks to a people who think of themselves as rather pious, people who fasted and prayed and went to the temple and yet still somehow missed the point. See, our relationship with God is meant to inform our relationship with each other, and when it doesn't, something is messed up. If we think that going to church and getting some ashes on our foreheads or giving money or reading the Bible is all that God cares about, and if we neglect the poor in our community, then we are missing the point. See how God treats us and feels about us is meant to inform how we treat and feel about each other. And so if God loves you with an unconditional, unchanging love, you are free to live in that blessed assurance you can't treat other people as less than. It just doesn't work, does it? Are any of you um, aware of the revival that's been going on in Asbury, Kentucky the last two weeks? Have you heard of this? So it was two weeks ago today that, that Asbury is a, a Christian college. My sister and brother-in-law happened to attend there. I've been there several times. And they have chapel. I think, I think it's three times a week. And, and two weeks ago on Wednesday, they had their chapel service. And it hasn't ended. It's still going on for 24 hours a day over the past two weeks. Uh, and I, I think what I read is that it's going to end tomorrow. They're saying, all right, we're going to be done tomorrow. Uh, but people have been there. Students have been leading a service of prayer and singing and worship. And as you might imagine, in our age of social media, people have now been flooding in by the thousands to come be a part of this extraordinary revival. And so over the weekend, I think there were 20,000-some-plus people in Wilmore, Kentucky, which the last time I was there had two lights in the town, and they weren't even stoplights. They're just the red blinking ones. And so this town is not equipped for the world to show up for this revival. And I've watched some of the videos, right? And, and it's, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but it, it's cool to see young people. Right? These are largely people 25 years old and younger who are wanting to spend day and night in prayer and in song together. And that's all wonderful, and it's good, and I don't think it's something we should uh, poo-poo or, or make fun of, but I do think it is good to ask in the days and the weeks and the months to come, if all that's happened is two weeks of worship services and that doesn't result in neighbors being loved, in justice being done, then I think it's okay to ask, what was the point? What was the point? We always end up imitating the God that we worship. If we think that the kingdom of God is a meritocracy, we really end up with, with two, uh, two bad options, two bad results. If the kingdom of God is a meritocracy, we either end up with an inflated sense of self, right? We go, boy, I've really done a good job. Think of all the things that I haven't done, unlike my you know, younger brother or unlike my neighbors. And so we end up with this inflated sense of self of, Boy, thank God that I'm not like other people. 
That's one option if the kingdom of God is a meritocracy. The other is you end up looking down on yourself, right? Is that you end up thinking, I can never measure up to John Griffin. Right? I can never measure up to Beth Askew. I'm not able to live as righteously as they are, so I must somehow be less than. But if we trust that the kingdom of God isn't a meritocracy, but is instead grace, where we are all welcomed as we are, just as we are, if we truly believe that and live in that reality, then we can't help but treat everyone else with dignity and respect. And more than that, we will work to loose the bonds of injustice. We will work to let the oppressed go free. That's the fast that God chooses. What kind of fast will you choose? It really is your choice. As a child of God, you are radically free. But the fast that you choose is a reflection of the life that you live and the God that you trust. You are free to love God and one another with the same love that God has shown to each one of us. Have all of you seen the commercials, the He Gets Us commercials? There was the, the one in the Super Bowl. And I have to admit, it's, it's a pretty powerful little ad campaign. So in the Super Bowl, there are all these images in this, I don't know, maybe 30-second, one-minute commercial spot, and all these images of people angry at each other uh, at either, you know, a protest or this or that, or you know, just people ready to come to blows angry. And somehow in seeing all these different images, you think, it kind of feels like the moment that we are indwelling, right? Where it is full of hostility, full of sides, of people taking sides. And I think at the end of the commercial, it said something like, Jesus loves those that we hate. And it says, he gets us. And so it's this huge campaign. I think there's like, I don't know, $100 million that's been spent on these ads. And what happens then, of course, is that we all go into our corners and we either go, yay, look at this, isn't that great? Or we go, they shouldn't be spending money like that. And we just sort of end up going into our corners and believing the things we already believed ahead of time. And I'm not a pastor who, generally speaking, likes to talk about, you know, whatever's hot in the news in a given day. Um, it is an ad campaign that's designed to move us past our divisions, to help us recognize that we are all loved by God, whatever our politics, whatever our position and that's certainly something that I support. And it is true that Jesus gets us. But a good question that we should be asking in this season of seeking is, do we get him? Yes, Jesus gets us. Do we get him? Carlos Rodriguez is a, a pastor in Puerto Rico, and he wrote about the ad campaign. He said, you know what would be better branding for Jesus? Using those hundred million dollars on the priorities of Jesus. Feed the hungry. Welcome the stranger. Care for the sick. Liberate the oppressed. Love our neighbors. Yes, he gets us. We don't seem to get him. <laughs> Do we get him? That's a good question. That's one worth sitting with. And rather than trying to answer it quickly... And go, you know what, I think I actually do, or maybe I don't. Just sit with that question. Maybe it's one worth pondering over these 40 days as we ask honest questions for a deeper faith. And questions, good questions, 
are more worthwhile than answers. The Austrian poet Rainer Rainer Maria Rilke uh, wrote in Letters to a Young Poet. He writes, Have patience with everything that is unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers, which could not be given to you now, because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. Let's pray. Gracious God, on this day where we remember our own limitations, where we remember our mortality, that not only is tomorrow not guaranteed, nor is the rest of this day. So in light of our finitude, Lord, we want to live in a way that reflects your deep, abiding, unchanging love for us. It is true, Lord, that you get us, and so often we fail to get you. May this season, as we ask good questions, Lord, may we find a way to live into these questions that gradually, in time, without even noticing it, we might live our way into the answer. And we know that in the end, the answer is always grace. Amen.